Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Let's read eight verses, beginning in verse 1. If you're there, can you say amen? 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Paul writes to Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they'll turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist fulfill your ministry. What a charge or what a mandate, what a command from Paul to Timothy. A few more verses I want us to read. I love this part, beginning in verse 6. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Verse 7, I want you to go back to verse 7 really quick. I want you to underline it if you have a pencil, a pen, a crayon, a colored pencil, whatever you have. I want you to get that in your heart, in your spirit. It's what I want to focus on today as we finish this series. Verse 7, I have fought a good fight I have finished the race I have kept the faith why don't we all read it together in one voice here additional seating online all of us together come on I have fought the good fight I have finished the race I have kept the faith beautiful today we're gonna finish talking about the Apostle Paul in this series heroes of the faith I want to talk to you if you're taking notes I want to talk to you from this title our finest hour our finest hour If you're taking notes, we like to take notes at Calvary. We believe we learn better when we lean in and take notes. And so uh, I think that'll be helpful. Let's talk about Paul for the next 25 minutes or so. And then the worship team's going to join me. We'll sing one more time and then we'll go find some friends outside and join a connect group for the fall. Amen? 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 Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for your goodness, for your grace, for your love, for your mercy. Thank you for this day. Thank you, God. The psalmist said, I rejoice with those who said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Today we say better is one day in your courts than a thousand days elsewhere. God, we're so glad to be in your house. We're so glad to be connected to all that you're doing, all that you are in the midst of us, growing and teaching and leading. God, help us to lean in and listen to your voice. Thank you for the 
the past few months. Summer has been amazing. God, so many people making the decision to follow you and growing in faith. Today, speak to us as we look at one of your vessels, Paul. God, that you would uh, do something in our hearts. Speak to us today from your word. We love you. We thank you. We give you all the glory, all the praise, and all of Calvary says... Oh, come on. All of Calvary says, can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? Come on. The Apostle Paul is writing this letter. It's the second letter that he's writing to his son in the faith. It's his student, his mentee. He's mentored him. He's fathered him in the faith. He's, he's helped him understand the ways of Jesus. He's encouraging Timothy because Paul knows he's at the end of his life. How many know uh, the, the words that people say when they're near their death are absolutely important? Many people will begin to say regrets or things that matter, things that they really want you to understand. And this is what Paul is doing at the end of his life. He's writing to Timothy from a prison cell and he's encouraging him. And this is a decisive moment for Timothy because Timothy's under pressure from the emperor at the time. The Roman Empire is pressuring the church. The Roman Empire is trying to make sure the church is crushed underneath the foot of Nero. They don't want the church or the Christian faith to continue. And so this is a defining moment for Timothy. Paul says, I'm at the end of my life. I fought the good fight. I've ran my race and I've kept the faith. Timothy, I want you to do the same. There are moments in life where you have to make a decision to fight, to run, and to keep because that moment will decide your tomorrow. It reminded me of Winston Churchill as he was leading England in World War II as Hitler was taking over Europe. I heard one of his speeches recently and it was one of the most important speeches he gave to Parliament and to the people of Britain. And I love these lines that he said at the end of his speech. He said, let us therefore brace ourselves to our duties and so bear ourselves that if the British Empire and its commonwealth last for a thousand years, men will say this was their finest hour. But Winston Churchill was saying, was when Hitler comes, let us not shrink back, let us not draw back, let us get up, stand, and fight. Because if this country were to last a thousand years, let those men and women a thousand years from now look back and say that was our finest hour because they did not retreat or surrender, but they fought with all they had. Now there are moments, there are moments in life where you have to make a decision like that where you and I are going to have to stand and believe this might be my finest hour. And so Paul is telling Timothy, don't you give up now. Don't you surrender right now. I'm at the end of my life. I fought, I raced, I kept. But Timothy, if this Christian faith is to last another thousand years, which it will, because Jesus said he would build his church and the gates of hell would not come against it then Timothy, you must run your race, fight the fight, and keep the faith. Don't you surrender now, Timothy. Now, now, it's easy to say that when there is no pressure. 
It's easy to say that when life is going well. Oh, I'm going to run, I'm going to fight, and I'm going to keep the faith. It's easy to say that when you get a promotion at work. It's easy to say that when you have kids and they all come out like angels. And it's easy to say that when the marriage is going well. It's easy to say that when there's no pressure, there's no hard time. But have you ever been under pressure? Have you ever been under the weight that it feels like the weight of the world is crushing your shoulders? Have you ever been in a moment where everybody's watching and they're trying to see if you will rise above the circumstance or fail? I grew up in Hialeah. Any Hialeah people in the house? A few people. Pray for us. I played baseball in Hialeah, and uh, just for a few years, I was no good. Um, at about 10 years old, I was, praying, I was playing in Mylander Park, and uh, I remember it was about the eighth inning. We had a little bit of a rally going for us to try to beat the oppo opposing team, and it was my turn to go up to bat, and I felt the pressure. I felt like everybody was watching. The stands were full, the stands were full of people. All the parents were there. My parents were there, and, and I still remember in my mind, it's still a day where I remember I, I went up, and the first pitch came, and strike one. <laughs> And I was like, come on, Alex, make Costa Rica and Hialeah proud. <laughs> the second pitch came and strike two. I started to sweat. I started to get nervous. The third pitch came and I, I struck out. I struck out. It was embarrassing. And <laughs> I remember in the ninth inning, the final inning of the game came and there was this rally. I'm telling you, I'm, I, I was young, but I still remember, right? When the pressure is on, our team went on this little rally where the whole team went up to bat and it was my turn again. That's how good we were doing. You know how I felt going up to bat again? I was literally looking like, is there anybody else that wants anybody, anybody? I do not want to go up to bat again, right? I don't want to do this because when the pressure's on, when life gets heavy, that's me at 10 years old. And I remember at times of 18, 25, 27, 30, 38, 39, where life has gotten tough, where situations have gotten hard, and, and I'm just like, is there anybody else that wants to do this? Because I don't know if I can rise above. And here's what I've come to realize, is that resistance usually makes us retreat. Resistance makes men and women relinquish to that that we once believed. It makes us draw back it makes us not want to go up to bat again. Perhaps you're here today and you're under pressure. You're up against some incredible odds in your own personal life. And you understand where I'm coming from. You face your own opposition. There's resistance. The wind is against you. And all kind of pressures are against your personal life. Maybe you feel like you're never going to overcome this addiction, this struggle, this bondage. Or your marriage is on the rocks. And you're saying, there's no way I'm going to recover. And another setback just happened. And it's usually the setback that does not allow us to rise above and keep going forward and it's usually the wind that comes against us that knocks us down and we don't feel like getting back up and fighting but I'm here to say that there's a God on our side and if God be for us who can be against us all the days of our life he is the mighty warrior he is the conquering lion he is the one that gives us force he is the one that makes us stand up and stand proud he is the one that sets our feet on the rock so we are not moved I came to talk to a church that this might be your finest hour and if you can stand and believe today your, your marriage might get healed today you might break through that addiction today you might have that freedom this might be your finest hour
And I'm just wondering if some of us are a few feet away from breakthrough, a few feet away from victory, and all kinds of people are waiting for us to either stumble, fail, or recover. This might be your finest hour. Don't retreat. Don't surrender. Don't draw back. It was President Teddy Roosevelt who said this, nothing in the world is worth having or worth doing unless it means effort, pain, and difficulty. In other words, nothing great in this world comes easy. How many can say amen to that? You want a great marriage? It's not going to be easy. You want a great family? It's not going to be easy. You want great kids? It's not going to be easy. You want to build a great business? It's not going to be easy. Nothing in this world that is worth doing is easy. Today, some of us, maybe we're there. We're about to retreat. We're about to surrender. We're about to throw in the towel on our faith, in the fight that we are in, in the fight for our future, for our kids, for our family, for our culture, for our society. Calvary, I came to tell you that God is telling us we can run with horses in the name of Jesus. Come on, God is for us. I believe that today. How did Paul keep running? How did Paul finish his race? How did he fight the fight? How did he keep the faith? I believe he kept his eyes on Jesus in spite of everything that was against him. Corey Tamboom said this, faith sees the invisible, believes the unbelievable, then receives the impossible. Yep, yep. I love that. Faith sees the invisible, believes the unbelievable, and receives the impossible. I just think about Paul, and I think this was Paul's attitude, Paul's demeanor, Paul's spirit. He was going to keep his eyes not on what he was seeing, but on that which you can't see. Calvary, are you with me? Keep, keep your eyes on that which you can't see, that the angels are for you, that God is for you, that he's fighting for you. Believe the unbelievable, and then receive the impossible. We can sum it up this way, the big point today, when you see the invisible, you can do the impossible. I think Paul would tell us, if you can see the invisible, you can do the impossible. Today, can you keep your eyes on Jesus? Can you keep your eyes on the word of God in spite of the trouble, in spite of the heartache, in spite of another strike? Can you get up to bat again and say, this is going to be my finest hour. I'll keep my eyes on the cross. I'll keep my eyes on the author and the finisher of my faith. Come on, Calvary. Today might be our finest hour. Paul is writing this letter to Timothy. What we are reading is a historic letter. This is Paul writing from a prison cell in Rome. This isn't a nice prison cell. He does not have AC. He does not have cable. He does not have a nice bed. Many believe he was shackled to a Roman soldier. It was not like the prisons that we have nowadays or the jails that we have now. It wasn't like TGK down in the... I've never been there. I've heard it's nice, but it wasn't like that, right? This is a cave. This is a dungeon. It probably was absolutely dark. There was a stench to it, and Paul is there, and he's nearing the end of his life. He, know that, he knows that the emperor wants to kill him because he keeps confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. By the way, when you decide your allegiance and who you will stand for, many people will attack you. Many people won't ride for you. When you decide to stand for truth, you'll see as the enemies begin to come out, 
And so Paul has enemies. And he knows that his days are numbered. They are about to take his life. He's about to become a martyr for the faith. And ultimately, he was a martyr. They beheaded Paul. And so these are his final days as he's writing this letter to Timothy. He's been with Timothy. This is his little brother, his student, his mentee. He's fathered him in the faith. He's loved Timothy. And he knows Timothy is young and timid and shy. And so he's going to encourage Timothy. And he's writing this to say, hey, I've done it, Timothy. You can do it. Timothy, I'm I'm telling you, I could do it. Now, it's impossible in, in 25, 30 minutes to wrap up the whole life of Paul. I mean, Paul was absolutely legendary. He wrote 13 of the letters that we have in our New Testament. He was highly educated. In Philippians chapter 3, he he speaks about his entire resume. He talks about him being a Jew, a Hebrews of Hebrews. He talks about according to the law, he was an absolute Pharisee. you got to read Philippians chapter 3, and you'll see that he was from the tribe of Benjamin. You want to talk about the best of the best? This is a well-educated man. He was well-educated. He came from the best of the best. He was a Pharisee. He had a zeal for religion, and he hated the way of Jesus because he loved the old law. And he thought that Jesus was some crazy man, and so he defended the Jewish Jewish Orthodox faith. And so he was against Jesus and the followers of Jesus. In fact, when the church first started in the book of Acts, one of the first deacons that the church names, his name is Stephen. And because he's proclaiming Christ, they begin to throw rocks at Stephen, stone him to death. As he's dying, Acts chapter 8 tells us, verse 1, that it was Saul there, also named Paul, who gave orders and approved his execution. This is the man that we're talking about today. The Bible says they literally put their coats down at the feet of Paul or named Saul. And he's there watching the first martyr of the church die for the Christian faith. He hated Christianity. He hated Jesus because he was so zealous of the old law. In fact, the church is spreading everywhere and there's connect groups all over Jerusalem. They literally met from house to house and they would meet on the temple on the weekends just like we do today. We've been doing this for over 2,000 years. And Paul was so angry at the way of Jesus that he would go into cities and literally drag them out of homes and temples and put them into prisons. This is Paul that we're talking about. The one who is now encouraging Timothy to keep proclaiming Jesus. He hated Jesus. Are you following me so far? Absolutely hated Jesus until he has an encounter with Jesus. How many know one encounter with Jesus will change your whole life? It will change every, it'll change your opinion. It will change your behavior. It will change the way you talk. It will change the way you act. It will change the way you, just one moment with Jesus will change everything. Acts chapter 9, it says that Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, he went to the high priest. He asked for letters to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, meaning to Christianity, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And it says, now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. This is a city that he was going to go to harass more Christians. And it says there, as he approached Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. Let me tell you, when God has your number, he will find you where he has to find you. 
You could be at Live Nightclub on a Sunday night and a light will shine on you and he'll get you where he has to get you. I don't know who that's for, but you've been running for a long time and he'll find you. He will, he will drag you somehow, some way back to say, I got a calling, I've got you. You've been running against me, you've been hating me, but I got a plan for your life. And he calls Paul on the spot. Long story short, again, 25, 30 minutes is not enough, but Paul becomes a believer in Jesus, gives his life to Jesus, and then becomes one of the greatest evangelists of all time. He becomes a church planter. He opens up churches all over the known world at the time. I say all this to say, that sounds awesome. What a hero of the faith, right? What a life change. Absolutely incredible. Oh, yeah, of course, he's followed Jesus. Jesus showed up to him, and that was easy. Yeah, but then what he faced after was not easy. And today, as we wrap up running with horses, what that means is can you keep up and can you keep running even with opposition and resistance in your faith? If anybody had that, it was Paul. Because he, gave, he became a believer. He gave his life to Jesus. He became a believer. But what came after that was a full-fledged attack from the enemy for the rest of his life. He's writing to Timothy from prison, but what he faced the years before Prison might have been better because as he was planting churches and proclaiming Jesus, every moment they wanted to kill him. This was the Roman Empire. They believed they were the answer to the world. They believed, the Romans believed they were the best thing that ever happened to humanity. They were going to have an empire that lasted forever, but no empire will outlast the kingdom of God. Sooner or later, every knee has to bow and every tongue has to confess that Jesus is Lord. Not Caesar, not the emperor, not a prime minister, not a president. It's the king of kings, Jesus Christ. He's the only one. Come on, somebody. And so Paul is preaching the gospel. Paul is excited, but what he's faced is nothing but heartache. It's nothing but threats and attack against us. Today, are you under attack? And I tell you, you got, you got a friend in Paul. Today, do you feel like giving up is life? All of the wind against you, opposition, you got a friend in Paul. Paul faced all kinds of pressure. In 2 Corinthians, as he's talking to the church, there were these false apostles that started literally trying to make their way in the church and they were talking about how they were true apostles because of how they dressed and what they had. And Paul's like, I'm going to boast for a little bit. You got to read 2 Corinthians. Paul is bad. He's awesome. He's writing to the Corinthians and he's like, you want to talk about apostles? I'm not going to boast in what I have. I'm going to talk about what I lack. I'm going to talk about my weakness and all that I've been through. 2 Corinthians, look at all that Paul went through. You want to talk about running with horses? And him not giving up, him not throwing in the towel. Second Corinthians 11, verse 23, it begins. He says, are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. <laughs> and then he admits, I'm talking like a madman. I shouldn't even be doing this. With far great labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. They literally had to carry Paul out. They thought he was dead. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, 
danger from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers from false brothers. In toil and in hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and in thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from the other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Some of us want to draw up resumes of what we've done for God. And if we start to draw up a resume, I think we'll start to find out pretty soon we're spoiled in America. Our persecution, somebody unfollows us, somebody blocks us, somebody calls us a fanatic. Paul almost died multiple times. Paul's looking at us like, did you die? <laughs> but did you die? <laughs> right? Like, I wanted to finish the series with Paul because... He ran with horses. He became a believer in Jesus. When the light shone to him at Damascus and he gave his life to Jesus, he surrendered to Jesus. He started serving Jesus. And with the first imprisonment or the first beating, I probably would have given up. Oh, come on. We give up for much less than that. We surrender. We throw in the towel when times get hard. But, but Paul's like, have you died? I almost died multiple times. You want to talk about apostles? I was thrown in prison. I was shipwrecked. I went hungry. So the churches wouldn't say that I was taking their money. I made tents with my own hand. Yeah. It's a man of God. Yeah. I was preaching the gospel, not for money, not for rights, not for any nice tickets to a nice gate. No, I was preaching the gospel because I believe there's a risen king and a risen savior and he deserves my allegiance. He deserves my all. He deserves my service. And yes, imprisonment will come. Shipwrecks will come. Heartache will come. Persecution will come. But I will not surrender. I will not fail. This is my finest hour. I will not give up because the church of Jesus will be built. And so he's telling Timothy, Timothy, I ran, I fought, and I kept. Don't you give up. Don't you give up, Timothy. Because a thousand years from now, 2,023 years from now, a church in Kendall is going to gather together. Look back, Timothy, and say, wow, that was our finest hour. And I'm just believing that today, I'm praying that today you will, you will, you will sense, I really believe that God is speaking to us prophetically today. He who has an ear, let him listen. That maybe 20 years from now, 100 years from now, 1,000 years from now, another group will gather here or at a much larger building that God will give us, and they'll look back at 2023 and say, wow. That was our finest hour. I'm glad my mom didn't give up. I'm glad my dad didn't give up. Oh, I'm glad the church didn't give up. Oh, I'm glad we kept fighting. I'm glad we kept preaching. I'm glad we kept proclaiming. I'm glad we kept worshiping. I thank God for my grandfather. I thank God for my great, 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 grand. Come on, you got to look with vision to the future. Somehow, some way, what we're doing today matters. It may be our finest hour. I'm not going to throw in the towel because
because there's a generation coming behind me and if I can run with horses they will be able to run with horses as well are you understanding what I'm saying church this might be your finest hour in the culture and society in the world that we live in it's easy to start compromising now and I'm here to tell you Calvary will not compromise Jesus Christ is Lord he's the only way the only truth the only life I just believe when we get to eternity, we'll see that was our finest hour. Hebrews chapter 12 is verses 1 and 2 is the verses that we've alluded to as we looked at heroes of the faith. And many believe Paul wrote this letter as well. I believe he did. If he did, that's 14 letters, not 13. But because we don't know, we definitely credit him for 13. But the Hebrew writer says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. If it was Paul who wrote that, I could imagine Paul writing to the church at large, to all the Hebrew Christians, and he's looking at the stands in eternity. Jeremiah's up there. Samson's up there. Elijah's up there. Gideon's up there. Jacob's up there. And Paul is saying, oh, we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Run your race the way they did. Against heartache, against turmoil, with defeat, with failures, they got up again and they kept running. Paul, in 2 Timothy, now knows he's about to join those heroes in the stands. Possibly after he wrote that letter in 2 Timothy, maybe the next day, three days later, four days later, he... He passes to eternity. They cut off his head. He becomes a martyr and he joins the heroes in the stands. I could just imagine Timothy under pressure as a young pastor in Ephesus in a crazy city with Nero trying to destroy the church. Timothy would look up and in his mind's eye see Paul in the stands saying, I ran my race. I fought the fight. I kept the faith. You can do it, Timothy. Timothy, you can do it. Today, I, I don't know what each of us are going through. I can pass the mic around. And all of us have situations, heartaches, heartbreak that we're going through. And life is difficult and challenging for all of us. I know that. I'm not trying to make light of that. What I'm saying is, today, let us hear the word of the Spirit. Look to heaven and see all of the witnesses. As Paul says, hey, you fight. You run. And keep the faith. If Paul were, if we were to tell Paul, now you come down today. What would you tell us today, Paul? Encourage us. We're about to finish this series, Paul. We're about to move to James, the brother of Jesus. Paul, what would you tell us today? I think Paul would say, number one, I wrote 13 letters. Read all of them. There's a lot of encouragement there. <laughs> what do you mean by you fought the good fight? You ran the race. You kept the faith. I'm about to finish. Time's up. Went a little bit over time, so the band can start coming up if they're ready. But I'll, I'll finish with this. Number one, he'll say, resist the enemy. Amen. What I mean by fight the good fight? Resist the enemy. I, I think he'll tell us we have a real fight against dark spiritual forces. This is not a game. There's more than what the natural eye can see. But that did not mean that Paul was afraid of dark spiritual forces or he surrendered or retreated. Oh, he fought the good fight. 
Look what he says in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day. And having done all to stand firm. I think Paul would say, hey, resist the enemy and stand firm. I don't know if you know this or not, but there is a real enemy. And sometimes I think we can live unaware. What we don't know is that what we face Monday through Saturday is more spiritual than we think. We think it's physical many times. It's just my boss. It's just my spouse. It's just my kid. It's actually more spiritual than we think. There's a spiritual battle going on. Several months ago, we stopped now, but we should do it again. But several months ago, we all used to play soccer on Monday nights. It was a big group of us. We used to play soccer on Monday nights. By the way, we have the best soccer player in the world, Messi, who just won the League's Cup champion. We are champions, Miami, once again. And I remember I've never played soccer. They invited me to play soccer. I've never played soccer a day in my life. Apparently, sports are not my thing. But, um, so I was a defender. I just defended. They, they, Vlad was teaching me, just defend. Vlad is like the iron wall, best defender in the world. And he's like, just defend, just block anybody that comes this way. But, but at one time, they threw at me the ball. And I, I didn't know what to do. I was, I was stunned. But for a second, I'm like, you know what? I got this. And I felt like Messi for a second. And when I turn around, I realize there's an opponent right behind me who's now defending me. And, and I lost the ball in a second. And literally, I was so close to the net that they, they took the ball away from me and they scored. And they scored on me. Embarrassing. But it was a lesson. You never know when there's an opponent right behind you. Today, I don't know what you're up against, but here's what I tell you. There are dark spiritual forces doesn't mean be scared doesn't mean retreat doesn't mean live in fear no the Bible says greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world but just resist the enemy resist the enemy resist the temptation to give up resist the temptation to surrender resist the temptation to fall into that addiction again resist the temptation to give up on all that God has for you today I think Paul would say fight fight the good fight fight for generations fight for tomorrow fight for Miami fight for your family fight for your city fight for your children fight for your wife fight for your cousins fight for your uncle fight for tomorrow fight for the future I think Paul would say resist the urge to quit and fight all the more I think number two he'll say hey number two you need to realize your calling basically you need to fulfill your calling he says I fought the good fight number one it's a good fight because it's a fixed fight <laughs> the fight is fixed we've already won <laughs> Number two, is he'll say, hey, I want you to realize your calling. In other words, he says, I ran my race. Are you running your race? Paul says, I knew my assignment and I ran it well. To realize means to fulfill. Realize your calling. Live to your maximum potential. Discover what's God's will for your life. Today, I know God has a will a calling for your own life. There are gifts that he, the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, he's given us all many gifts. And your gifts are different than mine and mine are different than yours, but we need yours. Whatever it is, whatever lane it is that you are in, use your gifts to build this kingdom. I think he'll say, I ran my race. Have you ran your race? Use whatever gifts, purposes, callings there is in your life. And I think when it comes to callings, I think there's two things. There's general calling and specific calling. Many people are like, hey, I don't know my specific calling, God. Here's what I tell people all the time. As you do God's general will, you'll start to find his specific will. 
What's his general will? Love Jesus, follow Jesus, obey Jesus, honor Jesus and all that you do. And as you do that, with time, you'll start to find the specific will of God. In other words, God's just not calling you to do something. He's calling you to someone. God's not just calling you to do something. He's calling you to someone. More than do, he's calling you to be. Abide in Christ and you'll bear much fruit. I think he'll say, realize your calling. And then number three, I think he'll finish by saying, remember the truth. Remember the truth. He says, I fought the good fight. I ran my race. And then he says, I kept the faith. In other words, I didn't waver on my confession that Jesus is Lord. I'm finishing up right now, Kavi. I want you to pay attention here. Additional seating, overflow, everywhere you're at. Listen, don't give up and don't falter on your confession. Keep the faith. Keep the faith pure. Keep the gospel, the beautiful gospel of Jesus. You keep confessing that. You keep believing that because it's the only truth in the world. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 says, For this reason we must pay closer attention to what we have heard. Then we won't drift away from the truth. Today, have you drifted from the truth? Keep your eyes on the invisible so that you can do the impossible. What's the invisible Jesus, the unseen one who soon is coming and we will see him again and reign with him again. I was reading an article about the most misheard lyrics over the last few decades. And they were just making fun of so many people that listen to different songs that became popular in culture. But for one reason or another, the song was difficult to listen to some of the lyrics. And so most of the population started guessing the lyrics. And we all sing wrong lyrics to popular songs. Anybody know people like that? You just say, that's not what the song says, bro. <laughs> it just made me realize how many of us are repeating stuff that's really not in scripture. We've heard wrong things from culture, wrong things from society, and all we're doing is repeating wrong things. I think Paul would say, hey, keep the faith. Hey, remember the truth. Keep confessing. What do we confess? That Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he came and he died for sins, but on the third day he resurrected so that whosoever believes in him will not die but have eternal life. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the light. He's the resurrection and the life, and there is none but Jesus. Come on, let's stand up to our feet. All across this place, we're leaving in just a minute. Come on, with eyes closed, head bowed. Thank you, Jesus. Before we leave, I know we're about to go and join a connect group for the fall. In just a moment, Calvary, pay attention. In just a moment, every eye closed. Nobody moving for a second. Nobody moving. Team members, connect group leaders, wait for one second. Every eye closed, every head bowed. I believe that the Spirit of God is in here. I really do believe that. He's an additional seating. He's He's there where you're connected online. And I believe he wants to speak into your situation today. And maybe you're about to give up hope. You're about to give up faith. You're about to retreat. You're about to relinquish. You're about to draw back, pull back. The pressure's on. I just sense in my heart that the Spirit of God is saying to some people in this room, some people in additional seating online hey this might be your finest hour don't stop believing don't stop confessing don't stop fighting don't stop running the easy thing is to give up 
The easy thing is to throw in the towel and give up your faith and go back to addiction. Go back to that problem, go back to that situation, go back to bitterness, go back to unforgiveness. The easy thing is to say, I'm done. I'm done with the faith. I'm, I can't follow Jesus, it's too difficult. But today, I really believe the Spirit of God is saying, we're gonna run with horses. And this might be your finest hour. In the same way it looked like Hitler was dominating Europe, it may look like the kingdom of Satan is dominating Earth. But we have a sure victory on our hands. And we will not stop fighting, running, believing. And so today, this is for somebody listening. Today you need to keep on fighting. Resisting the enemy. You need to keep running in your lane. Fulfill your calling. And you need to keep on remembering the truth of God's word. Come on, why don't we lift up our hands all over this place for a second. Father, we thank you. We love you. We thank you, Lord. You know every person in this place, in additional seating online. You know some of us that today we're tempted with surrender. Today we're tempted with giving in, giving up, retreating. Spirit of the living God, breathe on us today. Thank you for this series as we looked at different heroes of the faith. Today as we finish with Paul, God, let, let our minds uh, picture him in the stands saying, I've I fought the good fight. I ran my race and I kept the faith. Don't you give up. Keep fighting. Keep running. Keep believing. Father, I pray for any person that's discouraged today. I pray for any person that's lacking faith, vision for the future, for what you want to do in their life, in their family, in their marriages, in their homes. And I pray that today, Spirit of God, you'll come with vision, you'll come with life, with faith. In the name of Jesus, I pray that dry bones come back to life in the name of Jesus. I pray that every area that's been broken, you begin to heal in the name of Jesus. People that have been tempted to give up today, you won't give up in the name of Jesus because you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Spirit of God. With every eye closed and every head bowed, we're leaving in just a moment. If you're here and you say, Alex, but I'm far from God, I don't know God. Maybe this is your first time here, second time here. Maybe somebody invited you. Maybe there's something inside that you're struggling with, guilt and shame. You're saying, God can't love somebody like me. I'm here to tell you, all of us are sinners. There's not one perfect person in this place. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's standard. Yes, today you, you might have something in your life, a sin, a struggle, guilt, or shame. The Bible says that God is love, but he's, he's also holy and he can't be with sin. But God came up with a solution. His name is Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus came and he grabbed my sin, your sin. He grabbed the sins of the world. And the Bible says that Jesus went up on a cross at a place called Calvary. And there Jesus gave up his life for me and for you. The Bible says that sin has a heavy price. It's called death. Our sins should have killed us. In fact, some of us know it's been killing us emotionally, spiritually, mentally. The Bible says sin has a heavy price called debt. But the Bible says that the gift of God is eternal life. Come on, with every eye closed, with every head bowed, 
in a moment of privacy, in a moment of prayer, we're about to leave. If you're here and you feel like death, you feel like sin has been killing you, you feel far from God, I want to tell you there's hope in Jesus. There's life in Jesus. There's forgiveness in Jesus. There's new beginnings in Jesus. With every eye closed, every head bowed all across this place, if today you're saying, Alex, I need Jesus, he paid the price for your sins. The Bible says he died on that cross. He went down to a grave. He was dead for three days, but after three days, Jesus Christ, he resurrected. And I believe with all my heart today, Jesus is alive. He's what humanity is searching for. He's what every single human being is in dire need of. Another relationship won't do it. Another one night stand won't do it. Another bottle won't do it. It's only found in Jesus what you're looking for. Here in additional seating all over, eyes closed, head bowed. If today you're saying, Alex, I need Jesus. I need forgiveness. Today I want to repent of my actions. All that means is I want to turn around and go to my Father, my Creator, the Heavenly Father. Today I want to begin again. I want God to give me a clean slate, forgiveness of my sins. I want a brand new life. Today could be that day for you. The Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is promised for no man. With eyes closed, head bowed. I'm going to count to three. If that's you, if you say, Alex, I need Jesus, I want you to raise your hand as high as you can. I want you to raise it up high enough, long enough for me to see you, then you can put it right back down. I want to know who I'm praying for here. Additional seating. There's pastors and leaders back there. I'm going to count to three. If that's you, raise it up, hold it up for a few, then you can put it back down. If you're saying, I need Jesus, I need forgiveness, today I want to begin again. One, two, three. Raise your hand as high as you can. Raise it up, raise it up as high as you can. I see you, 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 I see you. Hands all over, all over the auditorium. Amazing, 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 amazing. Awesome, awesome. Best decision, additional seating online. You can put your hands back down. Come on, let's say this prayer together. All of us together in one voice. Come on, Calvary. Let's all say this together. If you raise your hand, repeat after me. This is the best prayer you're ever going to make in your life. Today, you're starting a relationship with your Heavenly Father. Repeat after me. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. Today, I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Come on, say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Come on, say, Jesus, come into my life. Savior. From today on, come on, from today on, I'm forgiven, I'm saved, and I'm healed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Come on, Calvary, from here to additional seating. Come on, why don't we make some noise and celebrate? Come on, it's a party in heaven. How many of you know that? The Bible says when one person repents, they throw a party in heaven. So right now, they're throwing turntables. They're having a party. The speakers are up. Today, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, we have a gift for you outside. You're going to see people waving this bag. Pass by and get it. You're going to get a free coffee cup, a free notebook, a letter from me and Dad. We just want to help you on the journey. More importantly, a free Bible. Don't stop. Don't go home. Don't do anything else before getting that Bible. I believe God's Word is the best thing you're going to get in your life. Amen? Come on, Calvary. Why don't we lift our hands? We're going to leave out here singing one last time. I love you, church. Come on, Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. Go before us this week. Thank you for your faithfulness. Help us to run with horses. Help us to know that 